You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an extra special edition of the Live Free Now show, where every week I bring you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Today, we are going to be revealing an ultra special uh, musical performer, influencer, thinker, author, uh, entrepreneur, doing all sorts of great stuff. And he will be joining us for the Greater Reset for co-creation in Bastrop, Texas. That's coming up January 18th through the 22nd. There's going to be all sorts of visionaries, thinkers, activists, entrepreneurs. It's a bunch of solutionaries, really, folks that are focused on solutions, pushing back to this whole great reset agenda. And we're going to have a lot of workshops and outings and socials and dinners, and it's going to be a great time had for all. And there's also going to be musical performances. So uh, we're going to reveal our special guest, our surprise guest here in just a moment. But again, you are listening to the Live Free Now show. All right. Shout out to Philip in the Netherlands for putting together that incredible uh, little intro video there. Trying to go all pro here on you. But without further ado, let me just tease you real quick and show you who we are going to be hearing from if you join us in person in Bastrop, Texas in January for the Greater Reset. Let's go ahead and head over to this little Twitter feed here. Very prolific, prolific, prolific on Twitter. Uh, none other than Zuby, Zuby Music. Let's go ahead and bring him to the stage. Mr. Zuby, how are you? Yo, John, what's up, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. We're very excited that you're going to be joining us. Uh, my good man, Ryan, that works here with Live Free Academy, uh, he reached out and we weren't sure how it was going to go, but we we're really excited and, and honored that you're going to be joining us. So thank you so much. And thanks for joining us here today on the Live Free Now show. What, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Yeah, all is good, man. As I record this, I'm actually in Texas right now. I'm in Austin for a couple of days before I head to the East Coast, and then I'm going back to the UK for the Christmas period. Going to go back and see my parents, see some of my family, but life is good, man. I've had one of my most successful years ever. It's been really positive. I've been to so many cities, so many countries, met so many thousands of people, and had so many achievements. So things are just going from strength to strength. I'm happy. I'm blessed. I love hearing that. You know, it's pretty wild how a lot of people fall victim to their own circumstances and they got all this crazy COVID pandemic stuff going on. A lot of people had their most terrible year. But meanwhile, mm. when you have the right mindset and the right energy, you could actually break through all that and use that adversity to your advantage. So that's definitely something that I see uh, in your tweets, in your messaging, in your music. So uh, before we go any further, if you could just introduce yourself to the audience for those few that may not know who you are, I'd love to hear about your background, how you got started. I know you went to Oxford University, which is pretty cool. But yeah, let's hear a little bit more about Mr. Zuby. Yeah, sure thing. So my name is Zuby. I'm an independent rapper author of two books, Strong Advice and Candy Calamity. You can see them there behind me, one children's book, but both of them are about fitness. I'm also the host of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. I've been running that for the past approaching four years. I am a public speaker. I have done big events in the USA, the UK, was in Australia not so long ago, 
heading out to Nigeria in a few months time. That's uh, not everyone knows that, but uh, I just got that confirmed recently. My family background is originally from Nigeria, but I was born in the UK. I'm British. I grew up in the Middle East in Saudi Arabia. I lived there for 20 years. I went to school in both Saudi Arabia and in the UK. As you alluded to, I studied at Oxford University, got a degree in computer science from there. And then after a short spell in the corporate world, I worked as a management consultant for three years. And in 2011, well, 11 years ago at this stage, I took the big jump to go pursue my music full time. So I was a full time musician from 2011 up until 2019. And I still am. It's just that in 2019, I added additional strings to the bow. So that's when I put out my first book. It's when I started my podcast. It's when I started to blow up on social media through some of my social commentary and observations on the world. So now I'm at this this stage where, you know, millions of people know me, but I think those millions of people know me for a big range of different reasons. It's gone far beyond just my music at this point. Music is still the core of everything. That's how it all started. But I'm happy to offer different things to the world and hopefully for people who follow and support what I can do, I can offer value and knowledge and positivity to people in different ways and through different mediums. That's my goal. You're definitely doing that for sure. In fact, one of the first times I heard about you is just everybody would share your your tweets on <laughs> Facebook and all over, not just on Twitter, which I thought was pretty cool. But it was it was during the COVID pandemic and you, you just seem to be on point with so much stuff like a lot of people had those thoughts. Some people were afraid to express them. Some people like myself just throw it all out and see what sticks. <laughs> but you were just so eloquent and like right there on point. So can you share like what there's a lot of philosophical aspects and even some spiritual aspects, right? I could pick up on some just some Buddhist thought, too. Like, can you share what are some of the underpinnings of your overall philosophy and what goes into that that thought that you'd like to share? It's a very good question, and it's a tricky one to answer because I think it can be difficult for any of us as individuals to know exactly where all of our thoughts and our ways of thinking come from. Um, I think it's a combination of nature and nurture. I have a very unique and specific personality type, which is very high in some traits and very low in other ones. So it's always given me a unique perspective throughout my life. And then, of course, coming from this multicultural, multi, multi-nation background with exposure from a very young age to all these different cultures and societies and nations and types of people and ways of living and laws and philosophies, all of that, I've just been surrounded by this my entire life. And then... I'm also, you know, I, I certainly believe in God. I'm a Christian. I was I was raised as a Christian. I come from a Christian family. So some of my perspectives are certainly going to be based on and impacted by that. But I think that a lot of, you know, if I ha if I were to able to maybe summarize in a sentence what I think I have a gift for, I think I have a special gift for being able to articulate and put into words what other people feel or think. And then I think coupled with having the confidence and the courage and the willingness to, to do that, to actually say it, um, I think that's really what I do across these different mediums, whether you're talking about music or Twitter 
or interviews or social media or live performances or live speeches or books. I think that's really what I do. I think it's I'm taking things that people maybe deep down know or feel or think or sense and I can put it together in a concise and oftentimes witty or or humorous or insightful in an, an insightful way. And then I just put that out there and putting it out there to me, it doesn't even feel like courage. It's just like, I mean, I feel like I have to, maybe you, you sense that you have that compulsion as well, right? Like if you've got something that, that that's going on there and is really in your head and you, you have to say it, it's not even like, oh, should I or not? It's just like, well, Hey, I have to say it, right? Like this, this thing's going on. It doesn't make sense. I need to speak out or this is going on and I don't think this is right. Or I think that this is going to lead to something dangerous, I'm going to speak out, right? If I see some, if I see a car driving, you know, speeding down the road or, and I know that up ahead of them is like, you know, they're going to go into a lake or they're going to go off a cliff or something. Like, I can't just be like, oh, do I say something? It's like, no, like, Hey man, stop your car. You're, you're going to career off a cliff, you know? And I felt that going back to the early stages, especially of when the whole so-called pandemic thing kicked off, all of those red flags were were going off for me. The, the, those 2020, 2021, if you remember back to that time, even early 2022, there was so much stuff that wasn't making sense. It, it just, it wasn't making sense. It wasn't adding up. It wasn't coming from logic. It wasn't coming from reason. It certainly wasn't coming from science, uh, despite the fact that people kept using these words. And I think that I had the perception to detect that, but then I also had the courage to articulate it, even when it was really, really not popular. At this point, you can question stuff. You can question stuff with every aspect of it, whether it's lockdowns or it's masks or it's uh, the efficacy of these shots or whatever it is. All this stuff you can now, it's back in the Overton window to ask questions about it. You'll even see stuff in the mainstream media. You know, people are, aren't getting as aggressively deplatformed and so on for asking certain questions and less people are being called crazy or being called grandma killers and all that. But early 2020, man, it was not popular to take a stance against against lockdowns or mask mandates or to question just how deadly this whole thing was or to make points about what was going to happen to the economy and to physical health and to mental health and to children's well-being and development. All that stuff that now, over two years later, people are happy to talk about slowly um, I was raising all these flags very early on and I'm not one of the only, I'm not the only person who was doing it, but it was certainly a very small minority and out of people who have big social media platforms and voices, let's say hundreds of thousands or, you know, or millions of followers, I was in a very small number of people who were, who, who was, was saying that early on and who was willing to ask some of these questions and point this out. And it's not because I wanted to be some hero or freedom fighter or whatever. It's just that I was making these observations and I thought that it was important and I thought that it was the right thing to do. It was a, an ethical compulsion more than any desire to, uh, you know, I wasn't, it was like, Oh, let me, let me talk. Let me take a contradictory stance to, to gain followers or to do this or to do it. It wasn't that at all. Um, yes, I did gain followers. I gained a lot of followers during that time period, but, um, I was gaining followers anyway. And I was just saying what I actually genuinely believed. And vast majority of those things have been proven to be correct, far more correct than what the so-called experts and government officials and people in the media were saying. Um, 
perhaps one of the things that's been most liberating for me in my life has been not really caring about what people think. And that was like a slow evolution. I mean, I care, obviously, especially folks that are my community and family and such, but it's never something that I, I don't want to say this because I'm worried people will judge me or criticize me or think I'm some crazy right winger or something like that. It's been very liberating. And I know a lot of people have that internal limiter. And I was right there with you. Once I saw this was totally bogus, I started banging on it on social media. And really, like, like a bunch of high school friends came out of the woodwork and were really offended and bothered. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there were other friends that were messaging me privately. Thank you so much for saying what we want to say. I want to work up the courage, but I haven't. Um, mm -hmm. So it was wild and interesting times. Now, now, let me ask you this. You've been doing your uh, hip hop career for quite a while. Did you start off in the hip hop as a conscious artist? That's what I like to refer to conscious, not awake or woke, right? That's been totally taken and jeopardized, but a conscious artist with something to say, right? So when you first got your start, were you already aware of some of the problems going on in the world back then? Or were you just doing the hip hop thing? 100%. Um, so I released my first album in 2006, when I was still in my teens. Um, and I was in university, I was in my second year of university at the time, the first album I put out was called Commercial Underground. If anyone wants to go back and listen to that from 16 years ago, then you can it's available on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else. And if you listen to that, uh, you'll see that I'm <laughs> you'll see that I'm saying the same stuff I've always been saying. It's just that none of it. Uh, None of it was deemed any type of controversial until the world got stupid in, I don't know, the mid to late 20, 2010s and then early 2020s. I, I've, you know, my positions have obviously evolved. I'm, I'm older and I'm wiser and I've gone from a, you know, a teenager to a man who's now in my, in my mid thirties now. I've had a lot of experiences, um, but I've all the world differently to other people, I guess. And, I, and I'll be honest, man, I, I never, I didn't realize how differently I saw things or how unique my perspective perhaps was until I started putting my thoughts out there more. Um, I've been on Twitter, for, let me give you an example. I've been on Twitter since 2009. And from 2009 to 2018, I really use Twitter, you know, to talk about my music and to promote promote my music. I very rarely waded in wade into anything political or social or political or you know these these culture war issues or anything like that. Not even out of primary fear. I didn't want to rock the boat too much, but it wasn't even fear. It was just that I didn't think that my perspective was that interesting. I mean, most of what I say to this day, I don't think would be controversial in a sane world. I don't think would be deemed, I mean, anyone who actually is familiar with my message knows that I'm not some type of radical or, you know, flamethrower or, you know, hyper-partisan person or any, I'm, I'm not. But what's happened is things have moved so far off base and sanity itself and critical thinking itself and courage itself have become such rare, such rare commodities that simply by being someone who is willing to express your genuine opinion without a massive filter and to simply make sense and to be reasonable and to be sensible and to speak to people on different sides of the aisle and of the spectrum and not just be attacking and attacking and being hyper tribal and being willing to ask questions, right? Simply asking questions, that is so refreshing now. 
right? It's, it's, we're in a stage now where this is so refreshing. Maybe if we were in the 90s, if we were in 2005, none of this stuff would even be particularly interesting because it would just be considered common sense. But as we both know now, common sense is not as common as we probably believe most of our lives. And you can now build a platform and you can gain followers and you can build a whole audience by being the adult in the room, right? By, by simply speaking the truth and seeking the truth and asking questions and talking to people and not just going along with certain dogma. And that's pretty remarkable. I think it's a bit of a sad indictment on where our society is in some ways. But at the same time, it means that we have this opportunity to fill in a certain gap, right? All of our institutions have proven that they can't be trusted. I mean, after the past two and a half, three years that we've just lived through, all of these big mainstream institutions, which they were already losing trust, people were already losing trust in them, but they've just, they, they've just proven themselves to be frauds, right? If not outright criminal in some cases, like let's be honest with it. And I think that is, that's sad. I think that's kind of a shame. I actually kind of would like to be able to trust most of the mainstream media. I'd kind of like to be able to trust that our public health authorities have our public, the public's health in mind. I'd like to trust that, you know, presidents and prime ministers and Congress people and governors and mayors and whatever are generally acting on the behalf of the people. I, I would love to believe all of those things. Um, but they've just proven that they're not true. And that's not because I'm being hyper conspiratorial. It's because I'm just connecting dots and I'm listening to them. I'm listening to the words out of their own mouths. I'm hearing them lying every single day. They're gaslighting people. They're memory holding things. They're creating disastrous ideas and policies. They're breaking their own rules, breaking their own laws. You know, they've just proven themselves not to be trustworthy. And what that though, what that means though, is individuals, myself, yourself, other people out there, big scale, low scale, have the opportunity to step in and take a little bit of that power from them and gain back some of that influence. And it's, um, it's a strange thing to kind of be called up to do, I guess. But I think that we're all doing that in our unique and different ways. I've got a skill set, you've got a skill set and a perspective. Each of us do, right? We're all different individuals and we have our unique ways of doing things and our talents and our skills and abilities that we can all bring to the table. And I think it's great that it's been, it's becoming a bit more decentralized and it's actually more, it's becoming more democratized, really, if you think about it, rather than just there being three or four sources of everything and three or four authorities. Now it's like, okay, there's just hundreds of millions of them, millions of them scattered all over the world. And this person's got a podcast and that person's speaking and that person's doing books and this person's doing videos and that, you know, everyone can just do their own thing and we can have conversations. And even whether we, um, you know, we're, there's always going to be points of agreement and points of disagreement. But as long as we are having conversations and people are talking to each other, then I think that's good. And we've really seen that they don't want people asking questions. They don't want people talking to each other. They don't want people sharing their perspectives. And um, yeah, I, I think that when you don't have truth or the willingness to seek the truth on your side, then the natural response is to want to censor people and label everything as misinformation and disinformation and censor that and deplatform this person and all of that. And um, but I do think it's unraveling. It's concerning, but it's unraveling. 
Right on. Yeah. And I'm the forever optimist. And I, you know, I purposely choose to see the world in a positive light. And I choose to see the freedom and the joy and the beauty and the wonder and the harmony. And in turn, that's how, what I experience in the world. Right. But when it come to the when it came to the censorship, for me, that was a clear indication that we're winning. Right. They wouldn't be screaming and fighting tooth and nail so hard to censor people's messages if it wasn't so relevant. You know, mm. so I appreciate the perspective. And then one thing on Twitter, too, um, recently they did the Twitter files. Right. So Elon and this journalist are releasing the Twitter files. I didn't think it was anything too damning, except it kind of just puts it there in your face. And somebody commented, like, you did this on a Friday. Friday is where news goes to die. And they were still in that old media paradigm of like the news cycle. Meanwhile, there's 3,000, thousands and thousands of shares and views and likes and comments, so much engagement on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I think the game has really, uh, really changed quite a bit. Um, if you're just joining us, ladies and gents, I want to thank you for tuning in. We are chatting with Zuby at Zuby Music. He is going to be a special music performer at the Greater Reset 4 taking place in Bastrop, Texas. This is our effort, the people's effort to push back against the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. It's all going down January 18th through the 22nd. Of course, you can watch online for free at thegreaterreset.org, or you can join Derek and Ramiro in Morelia, Mexico. They're going to have a huge crowd of folks. Lots of people from international, uh, from all around the world are going to be gathered there. And then we're hosting here in Texas, in Bastrop, just 30 minutes east of Austin. So I was actually born and raised in Austin. It's a great city. Went a little hard left for me, but still a lot of really good people, a lot of good things to do, and a lot of freedom and crypto people too. But we're going to be hosting at the Bastrop Convention Center, and there's going to be live musical performance by none other than Zuby, our, our mystery guest here. So incredible speakers. We got Dell Big Trees coming down to Mexico, Mark Moss, Tom Woods, Jack Spierko. So again, you go to thegreaterreset.org, thegreaterreset.org. And before we go further with the interview, I just want to play this little uh, trailer that we put together. Uh, Philip helped to produce it. And we got Derek and Ramiro, myself, providing the soundtrack. So we're going to play this. And then I'm going to talk to you and get your insights and solutions when it comes to this whole great reset fiasco. All right, we'll be right back, folks. Are you sick of being told you'll own nothing and you'll be happy? Are you exhausted with the truth community focusing only on the problems? Are you ready to do something about it? Let's take action together. Join the Freedom Cell Network in January 2023. As we return with The Greater Reset for co-creation. The Greater Reset is a five-day in-person and online gathering where solutions-focused speakers and organizations share practical steps for individual and collective liberation. This year, we'll even hear experiences from real communities on the ground across multiple continents. The Greater Reset 4 will focus on activating five focus areas over five days. January 18th, liberate your mind, body, and soul. January 19th, permaculture and food independence. January 20th, agorism and parallel networks. January 21st, take back our tech. January 22nd, building free and conscious communities. This is our time to co-create the world we want for 2030 and beyond. Join us as we lay the foundation for the next stage of a free humanity. Join us from January 18th to the 22nd, 2023, as we gather online and in person in Central Texas and Morelia, Mexico. Join us for the Greater Reset for Co-Creation.
View the full speaker list and organize your local activation hub at thegreaterreset.org. All right. So I want to shout out Philip uh, once again. He put that together. And that's not the final version. You got a sneak peek of it here uh, on the Live Free Now show first, but we're going to finally produce it in the highest quality. We're going to share it to all of our channels and, of course, the Greater Reset email list, which I highly encourage everyone to join if you have not yet, thegreaterreset.org. It'll pop up there. Okay, Mr. Zuby, the whole point of this show was to introduce our audience and let them know that you are going to be performing at the Greater Reset. We like to mix in the arts and entertainment along with the hard work of creating a better world. And I've been doing this for 20 years. And you know, back then it was the shadow government, before it was the deep state and the New World Order. And now we got the World Economic Forum that seems to be uh, out there ahead of the pack when it comes to <laughs> creating a totalitarian technocratic world. So let me uh, get your insights on the Great Reset. When did you first hear about it? Uh, what's your analysis of the connection between COVID and the Great Reset? And then finally, and most importantly, what do you suggest people do about it? Yeah, well, I certainly first heard the term the Great Reset in 2020 when they started promoting it, <laughs> when it was on a I mean, they, on the World Economic Forum website and their social media and Klaus Schwab himself wrote a whole book called COVID-19 and the Great Reset and all that. So I, I guess like most people, it was when all these shenanigans really kicked off and the PR and promotion for the so-called pandemic went into hyperdrive that um, it really fell on my radar. I mean, I know the World Economic Forum has existed for many years, I think, I believe decades at this point, but nothing had ever sort of put it on my radar. I don't think I knew who Klaus Schwab was until 2020. And this guy, you know, he looks like a Bond villain started popping up all over the place. Um, you know, I think the most important thing, and I've said, I said this to people all throughout the past three years. I've said it to people online. I've said it to people in person because there's been so much fear going around um, on both sides of the equation, right? You've got people who are terrified to death of, you know, COVID and then people who are terrified of, you know, the, res the response to it, which is understandable. But fear has definitely been the predominant human em emotion over the past three years. And we need to we need to change that. And that's why it's so important for us to bring people back to a place of optimism, because we don't want people on either end of this becoming absolute doomers and becoming hopeless and becoming completely demoralized. And what I always say to people is that ultimately we have the power. We are the people with the power. It's not these weirdo globalist organizations. It's not Bill Gates. It's not Klaus Schwab. It's not George Soros. It's not all of these people, whether they're public figures or they're shadowy figures with a lot of power or whatever. We are ultimately the people who make the decisions, right? We are the people, we have the power, we run the world, right? We run the world. And the reason why these individuals and organizations are even able to claim so much power as far as I'm concerned is because the average person doesn't realize how much power they have, right? The average person doesn't realize that, oh, what, you know what? We can end a mask mandate by everyone just taking a mask off. If you all <laughs> take your mask off, it's over. That's it. You think they're going to run around and try to arrest everybody? No, of course not. You think they're going to be able to afford it? You, right? If everyone had just taken their masks off or just not put them on to begin with, none of it would have happened. And by the way, if, if people didn't wear the masks, then the vax mandates wouldn't have been on the table, right? But people don't realize this. The average person doesn't have the power to 
you know, they, sorry, they do have the power, but they don't have the awareness plus confidence to realize, oh, actually, I might just be one individual, but what even is a society but a collection of individuals? That's all it is. If we choose to go with this, then it's going to happen. If we say, no, actually, you know what? No, we don't want that. We're not doing it. Then it all falls flat. That's all it is, right? You can have some weirdo out there in government say, oh, we're going to you know, or even out of governments come up in, with their weird megalomaniac schemes for what they want people to do and how they want everyone to behave. But if people just say no, <laughs> if people say no and they don't comply, then, then it doesn't work. All of this stuff that's happened over these few years, it only happened because billions of people went with it. Billions of people went with it and they continued to go with it and they kept going and going and going. You know what? Most of it is over now. Do you know why it's over? It's because most people stopped, right? It got to a point where you know, I think as far as I'm concerned, they, they pushed a little too hard too quickly and they woke up a lot of people. And even those who were going along with it, it got it just got to a point where it, they sort of ran out of juice and people slowly were just like, you know, the, 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 the percentages flipped over to a certain tipping point where it's suddenly like you walk around wherever you are now. And oh, look, people are not Barely anyone's wearing masks anymore. Most people aren't going and getting their fourth and fifth and sixth booster jabs. The whole thing's just petered out. You remember earlier this year when they tried to push it all again with monkeypox, right? <laughs> they tried. They tried it, right? They really, really pushed it. They, they went for it hard. And people were like, nah. They managed to scare some people, but most people were like, nah, we're not doing this one. And lo and behold, it all just disappeared. Do you remember that week? It just disappeared overnight. Boom. Gone gone. It hasn't, hasn't been in the media again, anywhere, right? It's all over. You know what would have happened if people were freaking out and, you know, masking and they'd still be going with it, right? They'd still be going daily reporting this many cases of monkeypox, this many, they would just run the whole thing again. So I think people need to understand how much power that we actually have. Um, I don't know how you get that message through to people. I think it's always been a difficult message to get through to people. Uh, if you look through human history and if you look at things around the world, but I do believe ultimately that people have the power. And that's why I think optimism, I think optimism is really optimism and courage are two of our greatest weapons in the pushback against this, because so many people have been demoralized and I understand it. We've just lived through three years of the biggest, one of the biggest psyops in human history, as far as I'm concerned, certainly the biggest one in our lifetimes. So I can understand the demoralization. I know how much people were divided. I know people got pushed away from their friends and from their family. So many people lost their jobs. People were bullied. People were coerced. People were shamed. People were attacked, called nasty names. I get it all. I understand it all. And this didn't just happen in the USA. This happened all around the entire freaking world. Um, but you can't let people demoralize you, right? If you don't think you can win the fight, then you've lost. If you don't think you can win, then you've lost already. And we can absolutely win this, right? I'm not going to let some 70, 80 year old dorks at the World Economic Forum <laughs> who nobody even elected dictate to me how I'm going to live my life and how my family is and how my uh, get out of here, man. What do you mean? You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Buzz off. <laughs> who, you, who even are these people, right? Like I'm almost like, why are we taking these people seriously? Like yeah. go away. None of you yeah. guys can even do 10 pushups or a pull up. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't teach me about health. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> man. And they're like, you'll own nothing and be happy. I'm like, I need to stack more assets. Then. That's <laughs> the heck with you guys. I'll show exactly. you. Right. But there's a lot of people. Right. So in the work I do with Live Free Academy, uh, we do educational workshops, online courses, in-person courses. We're hosting the uh, Central Texas iteration of the Greater Reset. Right. Um, and the work I do, I've really come to the conclusion that mindset 
is absolutely critical. The tactics are out there. The strategies are out there. The how-tos are all out there, but people still have these internal limiting beliefs, right? And at the end of the day, nothing could be more important. And that came to mind because we have this exit and build land summit. We're trying to educate people and encourage them to exit these big cities. That's where the smart city agenda, where the control, the tyranny, the police state is most prevalent and get some homesteads, build some communities, maybe do an intentional community out in the country. And I've been real cautious, conscious of people's limiting beliefs. One of the popular ones is I could barely afford rent. How could I possibly buy a piece of land? The other one that comes up the most is, well, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum said we'll own nothing. So they're just going to take our land away, right? Mm -hmm. What you, you are a student of the human condition. I think you're on point with all sorts of your analysis and awareness of human beings, which is a very valuable skill to have, whether it's in business or activism, of course. So let me ask you this. What do you attribute to the fact that so many people, seemingly the majority, although maybe not, so many people are disempowered, so many people have so little faith in their ability to make decisions that they abrogate the responsibility of their own health and their security and the management of their money and finances to people they don't even know just because mm -hmm. they were taught to do so or because everyone else is doing so. What are some of the big factors that you think go into the fact that there's so many humans that are just going along to get along and following orders without question? This is a huge question. And I feel like I could be answered at various levels of philosophy and even theological belief, to be honest with you, man. Um, I do trace a lot of this back to an absence of faith and religious belief and belief in God in modern West, Western society. I do genuinely think that that is a part of it because there has to be an ultimate authority, right? And for a lot of people, if God, however one wants to interpret that, is no longer their highest authority, then what remains at the top is usually the state, the government, you know, it could be the science, it could be Klaus Schwab, it could be some other type of ism or schism. But if you believe that the ultimate authority in the world and in your life is the state, then you're going to act accordingly, right? You're going to act accordingly. Um, because, you know, there's people who believe that that's where I don't believe that, that my rights come from the state. I don't believe my rights come from the government. I believe my rights inherently come from God and from natural law. And I believe that that's the ultimate authority, right? I don't believe that Klaus Schwab or Dr. Fauci or any of the CDC or the NHS or the NIA, all the, the, the WHO, all these organizations, to me, these are not the ultimate authorities, let alone the sources of morality and ethics. Uh, we, we should be clear on that one. And so I think on a sort of real deep level, I do actually think that a lot of it on an individual and collective level does come from that absence of what I would consider like true faith. Um, I think some of it comes from that because downstream of that, you get disempowerment. Of course you do. Right. And you get, and you get cowardliness, right? Why, why is we have a pandemic of cowardice. That's honestly what we have. And people really get upset when I use the word coward. And I think people get upset when I use the word coward because they know that it's accurate. And no one ever wants to consider themselves a coward or consider that they themselves are acting in a cowardly manner. But I don't think people would get triggered by that word unless they knew that there was, there was truth in it. And when I'm talking about courage here, I'm not, I'm not talking about a level of courage where 
I mean, think about what people do around the world and what people have done throughout history, right? Guys my age, guys your age or younger, it wouldn't be rare for us to need to go out with like physical, you know, with literal weapons, whether it's it's guns or it's swords or it's our fists or whatever, and go out and, and literally put our lives on the line to fight for our freedom, to fight for the well-being of our family, to fight for the survival of our country, fight for our tribe, all of these things. Like most of human history, that was the norm. If you were a man, high chance you were going to die in some type of battle, real battle, right? Physical, violent battle. That's a huge level of courage. You look at people who fight in the military. You even look at, you know, police officers who deal with violent crime. You look at firemen who are running into burning buildings, literally putting their life on the line, right? I'm not, we're, we're not here saying, okay, you need to be that courageous, right? We're just saying, hey, you see something wrong? Speak up, right? You, someone's trying to push you and force you into something that you really don't want to go with. And you know yourself deep down, you know, it's not even correct. It's not even right. It's not ethical. It doesn't make sense, right? Like you, you say, say no. And people aren't even willing to take this basic, very basic level of courage. And if you keep refusing to do that, then it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And we've seen this play out many, many times. So to me, that's the sort of diagnosis of the problem, kind of hitting it on two different levels, one of them a bit more, more of a spiritual theological level and one more of a sort of practical psychological level. Um, and I think that in terms of solutions, because we want to be solutionaries here, of course, what I always tell people is you don't need to go full Zuby, right? You don't need to go full activist. You don't need to go full whoever it is that you admire, who you think is courageous and is speaking up and doing. You don't even need to go that far. They don't need to go to your level, putting on a whole event, putting on a whole festival to, you know, push back against it. You don't even need to go that far, right? But percent, 20 percent, right? In whatever avenue you're in within your family, within your home, within your workplace, online, offline, if you can just be at 20% more bold and courageous, and if people could collectively do that, I think things would look really, really different. I think a lot of these bad anti-freedom, anti-liberty agendas that are being pushed through would be stopped in their tracks if the average person would just, look, people didn't even have the courage to just take the mask off their face, right? Just, just take it off, man. Go to the store without that thing right? People were putting them on without even being told to, right? You, you're not even being told to put it on and you're just automatically day in, day out, putting, putting this thing on thousands and thousands and thousands of times, reinforcing this cowardly behavior, reinforcing it over and over. And you know what? We're creatures of habit. So the more you do that, every time you take the cowardly path, every time you don't stand up and say no when you should, every time you say yes, when you know deep down that you shouldn't, you're reinforcing that pattern. You're creating that habit. You're getting to the stage where you just defaulted every time to take the more cowardly option, right? And in the long term, that's going to hurt you and that's going to hurt people collectively. I understand that in the short term, it might seem that, oh, okay, you know, this is the easiest way to do it. You know, let me not rock the boat. Let me avoid all conflict and so on. But then you build that habit. And on the flip side, if you, if you adopt, if you get used to being able to take the more courageous and righteous path in all these little small decisions that you're making day to day, that also becomes a habit. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not going out there every day, putting on my battle armor, like, yeah, let me go fight. Let me go to what? <laughs> no, like, I don't love conflict either. Right. I'm not someone who actively seeks conflict. I didn't be like, all right, like this is my time. Let me step up and battle all these people. I also want to just get on with people and chill. And I'm happy to do that 99% of the time. But if like something is just completely 
out of order. If something is wrong, if they're trampling on human rights. You're locking people in their houses. You're forcing people to do this. Force, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to say something. I'm not going to just be like, okay, well, let me just go with it. But so many people took that route by the millions, by the billions. And that's why things got as bad as they did. So I would hope that people can at least reflect on that, right? If someone's, if someone is feeling per personally uh, indicted by anything I'm saying here, right? Like look back on it and go, you know what? Next time that comes around, next time there's something like that, let me, let, let me, let me behave differently. Let me not be, let me not be complicit with the problem. Let me at least try. Let me at least put in some semblance of an effort to push back against this thing. I recognize, look, there's going to be times and places where you might need to concede a little. You might need to compromise a little, right? Like I, I, I get that, right? I, I exist in the real world as well. I understand. I, I, I've, I know what people have gone through with all this. Um, but there's, you know, there's levels there, there's degrees to it. And I think that if most people are, are honest with themselves, um, you know, we're, we're going to have a, 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 a biased in terms of, I, I imagine that majority of people who are listening to the podcast are already going to be in the minority just because of the, because of the nature of the event and what we're talking about. Um, but de definitely for the, for the majority of people who just went with it and were, entirely complicit with it all, then I, I, I hope that my, my greatest concern about the past few years in a way is that I'm not convinced, I'm not totally convinced that people learned what they should have learned from it. That's the thing that concerns me most. Um, I know some people have, a lot of people got woken up by it all, but I don't know. I'm kind of like, man, if if in three years or four years time, they just want to do this again and push it all even further. Will people just go with it again? Um, and I would like to be able to confidently say, no, they won't. They learned the lesson. But I'm not I'm not sure. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with where you happen to reside. And one of the big things that that stuck out to me you know, I've been doing the activism for a while, like I said before, and most of it was political in the in the early days. And then I realized, like, I've put in so much work and we actually did a pretty good job. And even when we had these little victories, like we stopped police officers from being trained to do blood withdrawals or we got these privacy policies in place. So these fusion centers, this Big Brother, DHS, FBI fusion center, they can't collect political or religious or social information and share it. Turns out when the blue leaks happened, uh, the blue leaks hack uh, my name was actually in a fusion center database, and I'm the guy that got that privacy poly impl policy implemented here in Austin. But I think it really matters a whole lot uh, where you happen to reside. We used to make a joke about the 10th Amendment and states' rights and said the central government, the federal government here in the U.S. was all powerful. It didn't really matter. But it was a big difference if you happen to be in California or New York or New Jersey or uh, Michigan with Whitmer compared mm -hmm. to Texas, Florida, South Dakota, right? So my advice to folks is always to vote with your feet and find a solid freedom community. That's why we're so big on the mm -hmm. Freedom Cell Network. We got over 34,000 people globally that are part of this tribe and it's all solutions focused people. Now you said- John, let me, let me just jump in there. Do you know something that's yeah. so interesting about what you said there is when you talk about these differences that exist, say in the United States between the different 50 states, the difference isn't that different places have, you know, different magic land or something. It's, it's the people. Yep. Right. The it's culture. the people. It's, it's the tolerance of what people will go along with and what they'll comply with 
and what they'll what they'll you know put up with that's why that's why okay in california in new york you can push people this far okay texas south dakota okay we can't right because look the government is always going to encroach <laughs> it's mm-hmm. always going to encroach that's a that's essentially its job right it's a job is to centralize and to maintain power and the reason why that's different in all those different states is literally it's all about the people there's nothing texas is not a, a magic patch of land california is not like they're they're all just patches of land california used to be a lot more uh liberty minded right but over the course of time the people's attitude and behavior changes so if you want to maintain liberty, you have to value it yourself. If you don't value it yourself, I mean, why would the government? Like, even from their perspective, it's like, well, if I were, uh, if I were a leader who cares about power and cares about my power, like, what's my incentive to decentralize that? Right? Like, why, why, why do I? I'm gonna push what I can push. I'm gonna get away with what I can get away with. You know what I mean? Like, and. Yeah, maybe people don't look at it from that angle, but I think I think you're spot on about where you are really matters. But I think it's important for people to understand why it matters, because, you know, I think people focus on the state and it's like there's it's it's the people. It's really yep. the people. That's what makes it. Yeah, it's the culture. And and putting things in perspective, you know, like you said, California was more free and more laissez faire. Um, we can create the change, the cultural change now and envision where things are going to be in 5, 10, 20 years if we do the work, if we have the difficult conversations, if we opt out as much as we possibly can, right? Um, I got another question for you. This one's more uh, personal with stuff going on in your life. So we were talking about why people just go along to get along. And one of the things that I've identified is a lot of people don't have goals. They don't have a higher purpose, Right. And so I'm so laser focused on these goals. I've identified my higher purpose as my life's work is to create an environment where our freedom community can experience political autonomy and self-governance. Right. It may take generations. Maybe my kids pick up the banner. But a lot of people, they don't they don't have goals. They don't have a path. They don't have plans laid out. So it's easier for them to get taken on a ride. Meanwhile, I'm like a horse with blinders. I'm like, if it ain't in alignment with my goals, I'm going to reject it. I'm going to push it away. I'm going to avoid it. So let me ask you, how important uh, are goals to you? Do you have any big picture? I like big, sexy goals too, like shoot for the stars, right? Do you have any big picture goals you're working on with your health, with your entrepreneurship, uh, with your social media, your music? What's going on and and what do you have your your sights set on? Absolutely, man. And I wouldn't have been able to do what I've done for the past 15 years plus if I didn't have that big goal and have it consciously in mind. So my big North Star goal and life mission is to positively impact, inspire, and motivate over 10 million people through my words and actions. Mm. That's my goal. I love it. Right? So everything I do, music, podcasting, this interview, public speaking, coaching, social media, all of it, it's all in line with that goal. If it's not in line with that goal, as you said, I say no. Right. You guys reached out to me, say, hey, we want you to perform at this event. I'm like, OK, well, how does that is that going to help me to inspire and motivate more people and push more people in a positive direction through my words and actions? Absolutely. Cool. Let's line it up. Let's do it. Right. Um, and yeah, for me, for me, that's it. For me, that's it. And the more people I'm able to impact, lo and behold, the more successful I also become. Right. The more things I can create that help people and inspire people, whether it's an album, it's a book, it's another podcast, whatever it is, the more I can do that and the more value people find in it, the more money I make, the more 
uh, followers I gain, the more people pay attention to what I'm doing, the happier I feel and the more lives I can genuinely impact. To me, that's all it's about. I'm very people oriented. I'm very people driven. Um, I, I think that human beings are the most amazing thing in the world. I also think we're the worst thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but I, but I primarily try to primarily try to focus on the on the former. But the reason why we're even the best and worst thing in the world is just because we have such potential and capacity. And with that potential and capacity, we can drag drag ourselves down to hell, or we can create something closer to heaven. Right? We have the greatest capacity for love and kindness and generosity and innovation and thinking. As a result, we also have the greatest capacity for cruelty and evil and attacking each other and putting people down and oppressing each other or oppressing ourselves or psyching ourselves out or doing this. And all of this just comes from the great, if you really think about it, those capacities just come from the, the greatness of humanity as a species, right? We, we can choose what direction we go, right? Every, every day you're making thousands and thousands of conscious and unconscious decisions of how you're going to live your life. What are you going to do, right? What time are you going to wake up? What food are you going to eat? How much water are you going to drink? What, what are you going to do with your day? We all get that 24 hours. What are you going to do with it? And then over the course of a week, cool, you know, you get a, you know, you get a hundred plus hours. And then over the course of a lifetime, we all, it's just like, what are you, what are you going to do with it? Right? Are you going to try to move the needle in a positive direction? Or are you going to just beat up yourself and beat up on other people, literally or metaphorically? And um, what are you going to do with that? And I've been very clear since my late teenage years of, okay, I want to use my voice. I want to use my efforts to uplift people, to make people see things from a greater angle of gratitude and perspective, to get people in better physical shape, better mental shape, um, help people in all, all these different ways that I can, that I can and that I will. I don't, I don't know everything I'm going to do in the future. Um, but, but that's really my motivation. And I think that if other people did that and lived their life genuinely in service to other people, then number one, they'd be more successful because the way you become successful is by helping a lot of other people, mm -hmm. right? Go out there and make something that a million people value and come back and tell me whether or not you're successful, right? You're almost, you're almost guaranteed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that if everyone did that, it, man, the world, that, that's how we create that's how we create anything closer to a utopia. Um, I also think that another thing it does is it, it snuffs out the negativity, right? If you're on your mission, John, if you're on your mission and you're doing all these things you can and you're working hard and you're moving the needle and you're creating this and you're building this and you're, you don't have time for, you don't have time to be negative. You don't have time to be online attacking other people. You don't have time to be trying to tear down another man's dreams or to do this or do it's like, no, nah, man, you're on your mission. You stay in that positive mind frame and it spreads out the positivity, but also it snuffs out the negativity. If everyone's there on their mission and they're getting in good shape and they're mentally strong and they're physically strong and their families are together and all of this and they've got that grounding, then phew, you think the WF has a chance? Of course not. <laughs> of course yep. not. Yep.
Yep, yep. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing more true than that right there. You know, ten million. I appreciate that because I'm a big, I'm a big ten X guy. I got the book up here somewhere. Grant Cardone, the ten X yeah, yeah. movement. By the way, the I, I, by the way, I used to say one million until I read that book, and then I made it ten million. <laughs> and also, and also, I've I've hit ten million now. I may have hit. I've I've hit a million. I've for sure I've hit a million. There it um, is right there. Keep yeah, <laughs> I could have hit ten million. I don't know. To me, it's as many people as possible. There like, you go. Uh, once I'm confident I've hit ten million, then I'm going to just say hundred million. Let's go. Yeah. It seems like some crazy unattainable thing, but when you set your sights on it and you believe in yourself, that's a big difference maker too. A lot of folks just don't have that confidence and it really makes a world of difference. All right, let me ask you this. Um, and this is some personal advice too, right? A lot of stuff. In fact, most things in my life click. I just got married to the love of my life. Uh, my kids are happy and healthy. Business is doing great. I got a wonderful team around me. But the thing that I just haven't been able to get to stick literally my whole life has been getting into a continual routine of exercising. Mm. And so like I'll do these two weeks or even a month long spurt and I'll feel better about myself, confidence boosting, starting to look more sharp, sharp getting some little cut lines and stuff. Mm -hmm. So surely the wife absolutely loves it. But then I fall off and I always justify it because I'm so damn busy with work. But I yeah. know in my head that were I to work out more, I wouldn't be so dependent on caffeine in the morning. I wouldn't have to take melatonin at night to go to sleep because I'm so wired from the work day. So what's your advice for somebody that knows the importance of exercising that when they actually get into the gym, they could put in a good solid workout, mm -hmm. but I just can't seem to make it consistently happen. And I've struggled with my whole life. What do you got? First, tell us about your, your health career and what you do in that, in that regard. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, in terms of my, my career, I mean, I've been going to the gym for 20 years at this point, I got into the gym in my mid teens. I used to play rugby. So that was my primary impetus for wanting to get stronger and fitter and, you know, build out my muscles and all that. First couple of years, like most teenagers in the gym, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I stuck with it. And, um, yeah, I, I've achieved, a, you know, a very, a very strong physique. I've hit some big strength mile, milestones, you know, I've pulled over 600 pounds on a deadlift before weighing 183. So more than triple weight, body weight, deadlift. And, um, and you did that as a woman. <laughs> 400 pound plus squat. You know, I've got my bench up to what was my bench PB? I think somewhere about 325 pounds or something like that. Again, all, you know, all doing this in a body weight in, in the 180s. So as a long, long time, lifelong um, drug free, natural athlete, those are some those are some good goals. Those are some some good targets. And then um, I did also get a personal training certification more than 10 years ago. I'm sure it's, it's technically would have expired now. But um, I've, I've done a lot of, I, I've got the experience, of course, but I have also, um, you know, studied it as well. And then I've written two books. One of them is called Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. It started out as an ebook. Um, I've got done physical copies as well. That sold over 10,000 copies independently. And then earlier this year, I put out my second book, the, the Candy Calamity, which is my first children's book which is also about the importance of health and fitness. So I've helped thousands of people to um, get in better shape in various ways. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. So in terms of answering your question, I think, I think something good to do here is let's actually do an exercise. Um, so what's your, what's your goal in terms of fitness? And you can be quite well, general with this if you want. No. So I want to have really it has a lot to do with energy. I want to like, like my biceps to get bigger and chest. And I'd love to have a six pack as mm -hmm. far as like my physique and what I look like. But above all, I want to have the energy to keep up with my kids mm -hmm. 
And I don't want to be so groggy. Jack Spierko, who's speaking at the Greater Reset, he said something once. And he's like, you know, you're not healthy if you look down at your feet and you can't see your genitals. And I was like, oh, well, I, I'm OK with that. You know, I got to <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty thin. So that's good. And I was all happy with myself. And then he said, and if you wake up in the morning and you're not able to just get up and go without feeling like crap or having some kind of caffeine boost. And, and that just hit me and it stuck mm. with me. I was like, dang, that's, that's me, you know? So above all else, I want to just have greater energy because I know it'll benefit all areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, you sort of answered this because I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Why? Because I know that I could probably be more playful with the kiddos. And I know that being able to have greater energy, get up and go, get an earlier start, go to bed earlier, it would help me in my work to be more successful as well in my activism and business. Mm -hmm. And why does that matter? It matters because I am concerned with the route, with the way the world's going. And I would like to see to see that improved, especially for my kiddos. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you can see what I'm getting at here, right? Drilling into the why. Sure, sure. Yeah. Because I, I think on a sort of motivation motivation gets you st started and habit keeps you going mm -hmm. but in terms of finding the motivation and doing it long term because a lot of times when people get into exercise and dieting the mistake they make is thinking of it as thinking of it on a short-term scale really you're talking about a fundamental lifestyle change mm -hmm. right you you want to think of like changing your diet or getting into the gym regularly as like brushing your teeth Right? Something as normal as brushing your teeth or, or having a shower every day. Just like it's not even a, a thing you hype yourself up for, or motivate yourself. For. It's just part of your lifestyle. It's part of your habits. It's just something that you do. And for that to happen, you have to stick with it for a certain amount of time. Uh, typically, I'd say three months plus is normally when it really starts to get deeply ingrained. And the longer you do it for, you'll get to a stage where like, I mean, not going to the gym after going to the gym regularly like not going to the gym would be, it's like as hard as like, just, Hey, you can't brush your teeth anymore. I'd be like, what? Like <laughs> how, how I'm sure if someone never brushes their teeth, right. They get used to it, right. They get used to it. And yeah. like, it's not a big thing, but like, you have to get used to it. But the why is so important. Cause if you keep that why at the forefront of your mind, that's the thing that'll make you do it. Even when look, you're going to have days where you're tired, you're going to have days where you're like, I just don't really like, you know, um, that, that is going to happen. But if you know why, cause a lot of people are, Oh yeah, I want a six pack or I want to, I want bigger arms or I, I want this. Right. And it's like, well, why, why? And, and to be honest with it, right. If it's truly that, okay, I want to, you know, be more attractive to the opposite sex, or I want to, you know, Oh, you know, my, my, my dad died of heart, a heart attack and I don't want to, I want to live a long, healthy life for my children. You know, mm -hmm. like what well, it can be a combination of things, but I think if you're clear on that, then the sticking with it part becomes a lot easier because it's like it, it it's it's at that point here here's a here's a good way to think of it i would say given your why i would say that taking care of your health to the best of your ability isn't just something you should do i'd say isn't just something that like is a want i i'd say it's an ethical duty hmm. you're a father you're a father you're a husband you're a leader I'd say you have an ethical duty to take care of your body, to do mm. your best effort to take care of your, like, like I, I'd go beyond it just being like yeah. something you want to do. It's like, actually, there's an ethical component here, right? It's like, I, I have to, like, I have to do my best, right? There's all these things we don't have control over. 
especially when it comes to our health, but you have, you have a duty to do, do the best you can, the best you can do, right? Cause you're, you're also setting an example for other people. Um, you're expanding your own lifespan and your own energy and the amount that you're able to do in any 24 hours and the energy you have all that. That's, that's probably, that's the way I'd frame it. If I want to like the things that I feel are like ethical duties that I must do, just like we were talking about having the courage to speak out before to mm -hmm. me, that's an ethical duty. I feel like you, I, I get the sense you feel like you have an ethical moral duty to do what you do. Right. It's not yeah. just that like you want to, it's like, I have to, like, I mm -hmm. have to, some, some, someone's got to do this, man. <laughs> like so, someone has to do it. So I think that's the, that's the right framing to have. And once you frame it that way, once you get the, once you've created the habit, then it gets to, once you start like enjoying, you know, genuinely enjoying it as well, then it just becomes as easy as brushing your teeth or going a shower. Another thing as well is um, just to, there's something that's a little more prag practical is that recognizing that something is better than nothing, right? So with fitness and diet, it doesn't have to be like on and off. I think some people think that if it's not, if their diet isn't perfect, or if they miss like a gym session or whatever that like they, they switch off, they're on or they're off. And it's like, you know, you might have a day where, you know what, you can only work out for like 25 minutes and that's all you've got the time for. The 25 minutes is infinitely more than zero, right? You might have a time where, uh, you know, your diet's not perfect, whatever. It's like, you know what, having eating 70% healthy. 30% junk is infinitely better than 100% junk. You see what I mean? So doing something, doing what you can is so much more than doing than doing nothing. And I think that a lot of people have this all or nothing mentality and actually that messes them up as well because as soon as they miss a gym session or as soon as they have a bad meal or whatever, that one bad meal turns into 50 bad meals. That one missed gym session turns into three weeks of not training and that's not the way to do it. The best is, okay, you know what? I messed up today. Cool. Tomorrow, I'm back at it. Or you know what? I normally do an hour, only got time for 20 minutes. Cool. Let me knock out a quick 10, 20 minute session. And, and oftentimes once, if, if you, uh, you might think you're only going to do 20 and then once you're there, you're like, oh, you know what? Let me, let me do the whole hour. <laughs> so that's uh, nice. Hopefully that, that's a few different ways to look at it, but no, man, that's some good medicine. The ethical yeah. part, you're already getting me on the purpose and I'm aware of the importance of purpose, yeah. how it kind of pulls you. Right. But the whole ethical bit that took it to a whole nother level for me. So mm. I appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm going to take that, internalize it and put it, put it to work. That's that medicine I was looking for right there. <laughs> awesome, man. Happy to help. Some real talk there. Okay, cool. Well, we've come up to the end of our time and I just want to thank you again for spending an hour with us, sharing some serious wisdom. The last question, one more thing I'd like for you to do. If you could speak to the audience, right? We got like 42 people watching on Facebook and YouTube, and we have twice as many watching on Odyssey. So shout out to the folks that are watching on the alternative uh, alternative channel there. For folks that are feeling overwhelmed, downtrodden, defeated, and they just have given up hope, what mm. is it that you would say to them to put them in a better place and to hopefully spur some action out of them? Well, the first thing I would say is to recognize your own potential, right? And to practice perspective and gratitude. I know that I can totally understand how and why someone would be feeling down or be feeling angry or even be feeling resentful about a lot of the stuff that's happened over recent times and some of the stuff that honestly is still going on. Um, but, however, you have to... 
man, it, it's hard to articulate. Uh, sometimes I think like, what, what, what's the, what, what's the other option, but optimism, right? You, you, you've got, you've got the option of just giving up and losing all hope and being demoralized and being negative and being negative to everyone around you and just staying in this lull and essentially wasting your days and wasting your life, staying in this negative mind frame, or you can switch into one that is more optimistic and you can see the positives and the blessings and the good things that we do have and the, all the great things going on in the world and the things that you have to be grateful for. And trust me, I know, I know for sure there's thousands. If you even have the capacity to be listening to us right now, then you definitely have a thousands of things that you can be thankful for. And also the last thing I'd say as well is don't let them win. Right. If you're in that mind state, you, you, you probably think, man, there's bad guys out there. We've talked about some of them. We, we've talked about the, uh, some of the supervillains of the world today. And I'm like, don't let them win. Don't let them win. If they've demoralized you, if they've got you down, if they've got you negative and angry at the world and angry at your family and angry at your friends and angry at your country, then they're winning. Don't let them win. Don't let these guys win. Right. There's more of us than there are of them. And we are better people. <laughs> We're better people than they are, right? We have something positive to offer the world. So I don't know whoever's listening. I don't know your background. I don't know your talents. I don't know your skills. I don't know um, what it is that you do in this world, but you're certainly offering something of value to the world. So double down on that, triple down on that. Let's, let's build each other up. Let's help each other with our own talents, our own experiences, our words, our insights, all of that. You have a lot of value to offer to yourself, to other people, everyone around you, People who don't even know you, we've all got something positive to offer. So I think if we focus on that and do our best with that, then of course it'll make us feel more positive. But also, as I said before, it snuffs out the, it snuffs out the negative. If you're really on your mission and on your purpose and you're driving and you're trying to build and create and help people, you don't have that much time to entertain so much of the negativity. So stay busy. Um, I, I totally understand where that feeling comes from. But you have to effectively choose not to stay in that position for a long time. And the, and the opposite is much more, it's much more positive. It's much more fun. It's much more social and it's a lot more helpful. And ultimately that's how we win. Right on. Well said there, Mr. Zuby. I appreciate your positive outlook and optimism and um, you're doing a lot of really good work in the world. So we're extremely grateful and excited that you're going to be joining us for the Greater yeah, Reset for co-creation. You'll be performing in Bastrop, Texas. Again, the event's taking place January 18th to 22nd. Can't wait to, can't wait to meet you in person there. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thanks, John. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Wow. There you have it, ladies and gents. The one, the only Zuby at Zuby Music on Twitter. Check out his tunes. He's got a, a lot of the videos and music videos there on old YouTube. And he's very interactive on, on Twitter. If you appreciate what he had to say, uh, go over there and uh, send him a little tweedly deedly deets. But I just want to share and reiterate once again, we got this incredible event. It's all going down in January. You can watch for free online, absolutely for free. Nobody does this because there's a whole lot of money that's being spent to execute this event. The money's one thing. Money's always easy to come by, but the time, energy, and effort that we're putting into it, myself, Derek Ramiro, our volunteers, our boy Philip here working, staying up late to produce these incredible videos and assets he's got for us. Um, it's a lot of work, but we do it because 
like Zuby was saying, we feel duty bound to do this. We feel obligated. I mean, I've been talking about the New World Order for 20 years now. And back then it was this esoteric far off thing that could happen and we got to stop it from happening in the future. And then the COVID pandemic took place. And ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. It's right here and it's in your face, loud and proud. The challenge is if we don't do something now, if we don't shift the tide, if we don't change the momentum, the technology exists now for this whole New World Order technocracy apparatus to perpetually control every human being and every life form on Earth. That's some pretty daunting, uh, some pretty daunting stuff to consider. But also consider this. As Zuby said, the power really does lie within the people. And if each and every one of you were to realize and recognize your true potential, your ability to manifest a life that is in alignment with your values, your ability to raise conscious, educated, free-thinking children, your ability to organize communities of reciprocity that can support one another, engage in mutual aid. We've done just that with the Freedom Cell Network. If we don't all recognize this, the greatness that lies in each and every one of us, then the future is going to be very dark. But if we just flip that switch and if we have that aha moment and if we realize that we can do this, we can do this together, we can change the world for the better, then I think that's really what it's all about. And if you're somebody that's needing a little bit of a push, if you're needing a little cheerleading session, or maybe you're needing a swift kick in the ass then I highly encourage you to join us at The Greater Resets. Again, you can watch for free online at thegreaterreset.org. I encourage you to join our email newsletter so you can stay in touch with the latest news and updates. Or better yet, better, much better than joining us online is to join us in person in Morelia, Mexico. There's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people down there from all over the world. Derek Bros and Ramiro are hosting that event, have an incredible venue booked. All sorts of awesome events, excursions, and outings are going to be taking place place down in Morelia. Or if you want to join us in Central Texas, hear Zuby perform, you can do just that. We're hosting at the Bastrop Convention Center. We'll be hosting the Exit Build Land Summit. If you're overwhelmed, if you're frustrated with life, um, there's nothing more impactful. There's nothing more empowering than being around hundreds of other freedom lovers all on the same page, all working together to co-create a better world. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Live Free Now show. I'm your host, John Bush, where every week I bring in the news, views, tools, news, views, tips, and tools you can use of a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Once again, it all goes down January 18th through the 22nd. You can find more information or get tickets for Texas or register early for Morelia at thegreaterreset.org. John Bush, I'm out. Peace and freedom, everybody. Bye.